Hello everybody, it's been a while, but we're back. And today I'm here with Tammy Helfrich, coach and host of the Right Where You Are podcast. Hi Tammy. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me. This is super fun to Yay. do it in person. Yes, and you're my first guest in three weeks. Awesome. So, Good. Yeah. Everybody's well, welcome back. now, I think. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so I guess to start, maybe just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay. So as Miranda said, I am a coach and I also host a podcast called Bright Where You Are, which is basically just about learning to make a difference wherever you are in whatever situation, whatever job, whatever, uh, life has for you. And so I help, um, primarily women really uncover things that are holding them back. So things that um, are keeping them from living the life that they desire. And I love doing it, it's a passion of mine. Um, I started a little over a year ago, although I say like I've been a coach my entire life. I just never <laughs> called myself that. I'm just the one that people came to for advice and a safe place to talk and that kind of thing. So um, that's what I do. I also um, am on staff at a church, and so that takes up a lot of my time as well. But I, my passion is really coaching and really helping other women just, again, design and live the life that they want. So you said you've been doing it for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So how did you get into it? So um, I so a little bit about my journey, and I don't know if you want me to talk about this now. Yeah. But so I was actually in uh, the corporate world for almost twenty years. I was in corporate sales and did a whole bunch of different um, types of sales, but worked for really big corporations. Uh, the last company I was with was a, a, a Fortune five hundred company, and. Um, that was great. You know, I, I had gotten to a point in my career where I was, had a really good job. I was making really good money. And, um, I basically looked around and said, Hmm, is this all there is? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I really started kind of on this journey of, uh, personal growth. I'd always been into personal development mm -hmm. and, you know, really trying to, um, figure out how to be the best you. But, um, at that point I just thought, okay, this is, I'm kind of starting this midlife thing, which I still don't really like to say that, but that is the reality of where I am. And, you know, is this how I want to be spending my days? Like, right. again, I had, I worked for a great company. I, I liked my job. I really did, but I just felt like there was something more, um, to me. And so I had been, you know, I started my blog about, um, gosh, seven years wow. ago or so. And that was kind of the, was the beginning of the journey of really trying to, start to express myself differently. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I started interviewing people that were really inspiring to me. And um, coaching just always kept coming up. And I had some friends who took uh, some certification courses. And, and so I was always kind of looking for the right place to mm -hmm. land. And then especially as I started thinking about leaving the corporate world, that was my initial thought was, well, I'll just do corporate coaching, coaching right. because that's my my background. Um, but I it just didn't feel right. And so um, I actually look, um, Brooke Castillo, who does the life coach school mm -hmm. has been a huge influence for me. Um, I actually did coaching with her and, um, I have participated in a lot of coaching and, um, really, you know, chose not to go through the certification process just because I oh. haven't found the exact, uh, one that worked for me. Uh -huh. And also like, 
that coaching is such an unregulated industry yeah. that you can do, um, you can do a lot of different things. And for me, like, um, you know, my experience and my life experience is really what people are coming to me for mm. and not necessarily certification. So while I think certification is important, I think training and, you know, there are a lot of things that I did to start that. Um, I really just said, you know what, I need, I need to do this. I felt like I had been suppressing my entrepreneurial spirit for mm -hmm. a really long time. And so for me, it was just about the act of getting it and just starting out there and doing some, putting myself out there and learning as we go. So was there one specific moment when you were like sitting at your desk and you were like, okay, this is it. Like I'm not doing it. Or was it more of a gradual? Um, it was a little bit gradual. Um, I, when I was coaching with Brooke, um, she, one of my fears was that, um, you know, I had left the corporate world also because it was very draining mm -hmm. and, um, the, the kind of hustle and grind and like give your whole life to your job kind of mentality was what I was moving away from and didn't want anymore. And she really challenged me to say, well, you're creating what you want. You're creating your business and oh. what success looks like. Does it have to be anything like what? other people have told you it's looked right. like. So that was the turning point for me of thinking, okay, yeah, like I can really do this and I can make it whatever I want and I can do it around my schedule and around the things, um, the way that I want to create my life. And since, so when you made that leap, because I struggle with this sometimes now as an entrepreneur and making my own schedule, sometimes I feel guilty when I'm not like, bent over my keyboard mm. for eight hours. Mm -hmm. be, but that's the whole reason why I did that for all the things you were saying. Right. So I could be in control and I could dictate. And yep. I've listened to some of Brooke Castile's stuff and she works like now, like for three mm -hmm. days a week or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. But then there's this counterculture out there of corporate America. That's like, if you're not working 60 hours a week right? and you know, like not taking care of yourself, then are you working? Right. Exactly. Yeah. For me, it was really, that was, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the work that I've done myself personally, and then what I help my clients do too, is kind of, um, really untangling some of those beliefs mm -hmm. of, you know, I mean, definitely in corporate America there, you know, there's certain rules and there's certain things that you have to abide by. And, um, you know, so looking, but I started looking at myself and how do I, how do I really work well? Like what are my rhythms and what are my patterns? Because the reality is, yes, you're supposed to be working between eight to five in right. most corporate situations. Is everybody really working between eight to five no, constantly? They're no, they're at the water cooler. Yeah. They're checking email. They're on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so what really helped me was learning to look at, you know, w when am I most productive and what are those times and can I really get a ton of workout in there? Mm -hmm. And I think what most people find, especially most entrepreneurs is there are certain periods of the day mm -hmm. when you're more productive and you can bang out a full day's work yeah. in a couple hours, which is crazy. And so it's kind of just deconstructing that mentality of like, this is what work is supposed to look like. Um, and I also think as entrepreneurs, it's really important to, to know what feeds you too. So like if the early morning is the really peak time for mm -hmm. you and you get a lot of stuff done during that time, then maybe you take a break and you go and you work out or you take a walk in mm -hmm. nature or you do something that 
refuels you. So it's really kind of paying attention to how your body works best. And, um, it's always fascinating because there's so many people, you know, I've, I've followed lots of authors and bloggers and, you know, entrepreneurs and they all have their own system, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to get up at 5am and you, you know, a lot of writers are like, you have to get up at 5am and you need to write for the first three hours of the day. Well, that works great for some people, yeah. but it doesn't work great for others. Right. People who are night owls, they do most of their work late at night. Exactly. And so it's just learning like how you're wired and then what works best for you. Yeah, I think I've I've come to appreciate that a lot, like recently trying to be figuring out what works best because I don't think everyone knows right away when you're mm -hmm. in a routine where I was getting up and going to the gym and then going to the office. And mm -hmm. now I don't have to structure my day like that. And it took me like five months to mm -hmm. get out of the habit of getting up and going to the gym. Right. Versus now I can get up and sit in my bed or sit in the living room mm -hmm. and I do coffee and like read and my gratitude journal in the morning and then yeah. I get right to work. Right. And I'm able, like you were saying, to bang out for three hours, like a full day's work. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going right. to breakfast. I'm going to listen to a podcast. And then, but I still struggle with that guilt sometimes mm -hmm. where I'm like, wow. Like the other day I went to the movies in the afternoon with my mom and my brother cause they were both off. Yeah. And I had, I'd literally done everything on my list that day mm -hmm. and I felt bad for going to the movies mm. because it was three o'clock and, yeah. but I didn't. So I, I think that's something I have to work on. Mm -hmm. Like why did I feel guilty when all of my stuff was done for the day? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, some of it's conditioning for mm -hmm. sure, especially in the corporate world. There's, you know, there's just certain things you have to ask permission or you have to right. do it this certain way. And so I think that is a journey of learning to be, to understand that it's okay, that you're doing whatever, that, that's why you started, right? Yeah, exactly. And always going back to your why. For me, it's always been about freedom, like the freedom to be able to do exactly that. Go see a movie when I want mm -hmm. to in the afternoon or go to something that my kids are doing or take my kids to go do something um, right. without having to be this really rigid, um, flexible or, you know, really rigid schedule. So when you ventured out on this entrepreneurial journey, did you find like your family was supportive in the <laughs> beginning or how did that conversation go? Um, my husband for sure has always been super supportive. Um, but yeah, a lot of family doesn't understand it. Um, I mean, definitely I had some family who were just dumbfounded. What do you mean? <laughs> like you have this safe, secure, amazing yeah. job. Why would you give that up? Um, because to them, you know, safety and, and this is sometimes I think the older generation too, you know, that was safety and security right. to them. Um, to me, it wasn't because I've lived through, I was in the mortgage business for yep. seven years before it melted down mm -hmm. and there was no security in that at all. Um, I've been through, you know, worked for really large corporations where you restructure and you come in and one day you have a job and the next day you don't like there's, you know, there's this idea that security is the, you know, big company and the 401k and the, you know, vacation and all that kind of stuff. And, um, for me, it just didn't, it just wasn't matching up mm -hmm. with my values anymore. And, you know, I'm so, so grateful for that. I left my company very well. Um, I am so grateful for so much that I learned from that, but 
you couldn't pay me. I mean, I, seriously, they've come back to me <laughs> and said, like, can we pay? And I'm like, no, there's there's no amount of money yeah. that can get me to go back to that kind of structure having lived this now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think about that, too, and the security, I get the benefits, mm-hmm. but then at what cost to your totally. self? Like, totally. physically and emotionally. Like, my mom and I were just talking about all of the... All of my aunts on my mom's side of the family have had that trigger finger surgery, mm, mm-hmm. and it's because they've all been on keyboards mm. the majority of their lives. Wow. And then a lot of them have, you know, like tendonitis in their elbows, mm-hmm. like things that shouldn't, or hip problems because right. you've been sitting at a desk for 60 hours a week. Right. So I just think about like what quality of life, where's the trade off there? Totally. I guess. And, that's something people have to decide if you have four kids and you need to feed them. Okay. Right. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think we, um, you know, and again, a lot of it is societal conditioning and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the path that we're told that we're supposed to go on. But when you really start looking at what works for you and your family, it can look really different than that. And the same thing, like I just, someone just said, and I haven't looked up the study, but like, the, you know, it used to be smoking was the big, um, health issue mm-hmm. and now it's sitting right because we sit all the time. Yeah. Um, and there's, again, you know, there's, it's, it works for a lot of people and mm-hmm. that's fantastic if it does. Um, but there's also just, yeah, there's health benefits for sure. I have friends, um, who were in high powered sales positions similar to me who, literally ran themselves into the ground working for a company that the next day could fire them at any minute, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just, for me, um, I've also had, um, you know, unfortunately a lot of death in my lifetime of people. And so, but I had a really good friend, um, years ago who had breast cancer and ended up passing away at the age of 35. And she was the one who really made me see like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? Like life is way too mm-hmm. short to not be, you know, happy in what you're doing and, and to not have the freedom to spend time with your family right. and to do the things that you want. And so that kind of opened my eyes to like, there's just this whole world out there. And mm-hmm. especially now, I mean, think about how easy it is to start a business now. I mean, granted, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's not the, you just start and then you're making a million dollars, right? It's simple. It's not easy. It's easy. There's not a lot of barriers to do it. And so if you have that inkling at all, that there's something that you don't want to do anymore, like start exploring that and start looking at what's going to make you happier. And how did that process go for you? Like you said, you were starting to work on yourself even at your corporate job. Mm -hmm. So did you start... Like, I've always journaled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went, I found some diaries from when I was, like, five. Wow. No, maybe I was, like, oh, eight. Because okay. my mom, my parents had just gotten divorced, and they, they were really funny. They were very articulate. And then wow. as they got older, then my mom started dating this guy. I can't even say his name, but um, <laughs> she knows. And he he was pretty... I didn't like him, okay? okay? I didn't speak to him for two years. Okay. And the journal entries in there were hilarious. <laughs> and I, But also so telling because so mm. indicative of my personality now. Like, mm-hmm. so many aspects of, like, the way I was speaking. Right. Even to myself in my journal. Yeah. Are, a lot of that's 
still the same. Wow. Some of it has improved. Like, I, I'm much nicer to myself now. Good. Like, as I got into my teenager years, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm fat and all that oh, stuff. Oh, but Yeah. Um, so journaling, for me, has always been, mm-hmm. like, a source of release. And then, like, I've always been physically active. I've mm-hmm. played soccer when I was little. I mean, gymnastics, volleyball, and yeah. now... I train with Eddie. Yeah. Mom was showing you some of the sandbags and stuff. I've got the sandbag stuff in my garage. I just need to put it in the pillowcase. Yeah. Yeah, So, so those have been my, the two consistent ways that Mm -hmm. I've worked on myself, I guess, and able to push myself. But what has that been like for you? Um, journaling, I have always journaled too. I mean, not since that young age. Wow. That's impressive. Um, but (laughs) I actually have been going back through some of my um, journals too because I um, I have a whole book outlined and oh, I really? had put it aside and I'm put, I'm pulling it back out oh. again and so I'm going through a lot of my um, journals to look at that but so journaling's been good for me there's there's really something um, powerful and I tell a lot of my clients that's about putting your thoughts on paper and yeah. getting them out of your head yes. because when they're in your head they just spin and they get worse mm-hmm. when if there's, and there's also something physical about writing it out. So that's always been good for me. Um, I read a ton. I've read a ton of self-help, um, books, you know, motivational books. I've always been, um, really drawn to mm-hmm. that from a, a pretty young age. And so I, um, I read a ton and not, I'm not reading as much. I'm being a little more, um, uh, intentional about voices that I'm listening to and, and who that is. But, um, so that's been a big thing. Um, I started going to conferences that, mm-hmm. uh, with people, people who are wanting to change the world and mm-hmm. change their lives. And so getting around those kind of people, it's not about getting around like-minded people, but it's about getting around people who think differently mm-hmm. and who don't just want someone to tell them exactly what to do. Like right. they're, they're, which is the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit of that. Um, and what else? Coaching has been huge for me. Um, coaching with Brooke was the beginning. And then, um, now I have a coach that I work Mm. with who is just continually, first of all, showing me what is possible in this world. And then also just continually challenging me to be, um, more authentic and Mm -hmm. be, just be me. There's, you know, I'm a very relational person. So, so much about what I do is, is relational and, you know, being, being real with people, Mm -hmm. which is what I think people crave so much. Um, and then definitely being physical, you know, um, I was an athlete growing up as well. And, um, (laughs) so I, I like to walk, like I love, I have a dog now, so I walk my dog in the mornings and then I like yoga has been a really big thing for me. Um, but really like, and then, and networking with people. So that's Mm -hmm. a big thing for me too. being, and it's hard to find the right places. You know, I've had done tons of networking over the years and there's, you know, chambers and all Mm -hmm. different kinds of things you can do. There's leads groups. Um, the one that we're a part of now, mm-hmm. Vsos, which is um, Women Entrepreneurs' Secret of Success, is, has been fantastic because that's um, a lot of kind of right. what I was saying. Those kind of like-minded. Not again. It's not. I don't like the word like-minded because it's not about trying to be the same, but it's about people just who who are more creative and can look at yeah. solutions and the world differently, and about building relationships right. with other women. So. And it's almost people that are on a similar journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. guys are kind of walking the path together. Yep. Yeah, I like Wesos a lot too. So far, that's been my favorite one mm-hmm. because some of those, 
I like you said to keep it real and like being honest. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the bigger business networking events can get very fake very totally. fast. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for me to deal with. Yeah. I don't have a good um, poker face in those situations. Right, right. And so if it's 7.45 in the morning and you're like in my face about my target audience, I don't, I have a problem with that. Right. You know, like, can we just, for people. Right, we, yeah. I, and then I found through networking, there are a lot of people that, that just network. Like the mm-hmm. amount of time some people spend on networking alone, yeah. it's yeah. like their job. Right. And so um, there's definitely value in networking, but I think you have to try different things like mm-hmm. you were saying. Yeah, and you have to find what works for you. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like there are a million great things that you could do, but learning to trust yourself mm-hmm. and your intuition because that's always going to come from a much um more flowing place than, you know, trying to force something right. to happen. And so that's been a lot of um again being kind of intentional about yeah. who you surround yourself with and then who you allow to speak into yourself. So like I was talking to a friend the other day, um, who's also a coach and she was at a networking event and met this guy, you know, everyone said like, Oh, you're supposed to meet this guy. He's fantastic. He'll do all this stuff. And it just was not like energetically, they just were not meshing at all. And it's because they're just on very different journeys. And so, yeah, you might get something out of that or you might, you know, be able to send someone to him or, but, but like, that's probably not going to be helpful for right. your business. Yeah. Yeah. And you know when you find the people that you click mm-hmm. with. Yeah. So when you are coaching, are there, you obviously want to like have a relationship and build trust with those people, but mm-hmm. is there any time you say no? Like, do you have to vet somebody and say like, okay, this is a good fit? Mm, for sure. Yeah. That's, um, I, so I do, uh, 15 minute free intro Mm -hmm. calls. Um, and that's our time to, to look at that because not everybody is ready to do the kind of coaching that I do. And that's totally Mm -hmm. okay. Or we just might not jive there. There are plenty of coaches out there that, and I have a network of coaches too, where people can go like, "Mm, I don't, you know, I don't think this is, I don't think you're ready or or I don't think that you're, you know, that we really right. connect well. So yeah, definitely. And I think that that's hard it for is entrepreneurs hard. to do, especially yes. like, um, one thing that really helps, you know, that I've done a lot of work around is just around scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in scarcity, of course, as an entrepreneur, when you're trying yep. to get your business going, you'll take anyone. Um, and I actually learned this lesson a lot in sales because, um, being a young sales rep, you know, of course you wanted every customer. Right. And I had a couple situations with, uh, companies where like we had to actually fire one of my customers, which as a salesperson is <laughs> horrible because you, you know, that's, that's your money. income. Uh-huh. Um, but that also taught me like you have to, you know, y- your services and your clients, you have to align right. a little bit. And so, um, especially in coaching, you know, if someone is coming in with this, like, so there's a couple, you know, there's all different kinds of coaches. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of coaches are more like, a um, um, Oh, what's the word? I'm just losing my total word, but like, um, you know, they're, they want to keep you on track and they're like, um, there's a word (laughs) just completely blanking, but, um, um, accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So like they want to just like, okay, this is what you do. You have to do it by this time or whatever. I am totally not that kind of a coach because I 
and I also, there's a lot of coaches who are like, I know exactly what you need and you have to do this. And for me, I tell everyone up front, like, I don't have your answers. Mm. I really don't. I'm here to hold space for you and to help shine light on areas that you're not seeing. Right. But you have your answers. Like, I want to be able to empower you Mm -hmm. to do what's best for you because you're the one who knows that. I don't know what Miranda really wants and what your dreams and desires are, but you do. Mm -hmm. And so all I can do is help you do that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. There's just with anything, I think that's a really, really powerful thing, especially for new entrepreneurs. If you can learn to tap into, um, and sometimes you have to take risks. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you you will start to work with someone and, um, and then you'll realize pretty early on, like, Oh, these aren't really a good fit. I have a a client that I work with who's going through that right now where she took clients because it was kind of where she was at. Mm -hmm. And then now she's realizing, man, they really just don't jive with what I, you know, they want me to work in this particular thing and I want to work with more creative people or doing things like that. So sometimes you have to adjust in that. Yeah. I have, I see some similarities in the way that we run our businesses mm-hmm. because in marketing, especially with new entrepreneurs or in my experience, small business owners, it's scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and they want to just say yes, yes, yes. And yeah. then I have to really get them, like force them to step back mm-hmm. and reevaluate their mission statement. Like, yep. why are you, why have you started this business? What value mm-hmm. are you bringing to your customer? Yeah. And does this networking event one hour away mm-hmm. serve any purpose in this mission? And right. It, you know, and there's, um, I don't know if you've read any of Tim Ferriss's books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So he has that one saying or like piece of advice it is if it's not hell yes, then it's hell no. Mm-hmm. And I really like that philosophy because yeah. you know instinctually mm-hmm. whether or not you should go. Yeah. And if you're like, uh, I don't know, it could be good. Yeah. Like maybe then it's no, mm-hmm. no, didn't spend your time doing something yeah. that is a hell yes activity for yeah. you and your business. Yeah. And it's really hard, especially oh, for new so, entrepreneurs so hard. to do that because especially if you come from a corporate environment, yes. like just like I was saying, I, um, when I was rereading, rereading some of my journals, a big piece of moving away from that was getting away from needing permission for everything. Mm. Like that's the corporate world. Like you had to ask your boss for permission. You had to do, you know, like everything had all these checks and balances in it, which is good. But also like as an entrepreneur, you, you're not going to have that. You have to go with your intuition and your gut. And that just takes practice. Yes. And so learning to do that, I think is important. It takes time. And I think it takes space to be able to listen to yourself Mm -hmm. because if you're constantly going, 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 like as an entrepreneur, you can easily fill your days with, networking and driving and website Mm -hmm. edits and social media and but where do you have the space to just like not not necessarily meditate like Mm -hmm. on a personal level but just to think about your business and to create and be creative like the other day I did because I'm going through a rebranding of sorts I guess a forced rebranding but it's (laughs) turning out to be really good because I've had time by not networking so much because my website and email are going to change to just be creative. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that that's really important and I'm most creative in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So the other day I just taped white pieces of paper on the wall in the office and got a box of crayons and like I knew I needed to brainstorm 
my website layout and a couple other things. And so like I just wrote those topics on those papers and then mm -hmm. just had some coffee and some music and just did it. Yeah. And now like today, I, that's what I was using when I was doing my website edits mm -hmm. this morning. And so I think it's really important to like just quiet everything out so mm -hmm. that you know, because you can be busy all the time. Totally. But yeah. busy can also be distracting from, right. like, what's happening on the inside, too. Yeah. Yeah. And my, um, Brooke Castillo would say this, just says it all the time, the difference between passive action and massive action. Mm. And a lot of times, all that stuff that we're busy with, mm -hmm. networking, you know, fixing this, doing that, like, it's all passive action. Right. Because it's not moving you forward in your business. Yes. Um, and so being able to step back and go, okay, is this really helping? Because, you know, again, most people would be like, oh no, you have to do this and this and this and you right. have to burn yourself. Like there's also this interesting phenomena happening now with a lot of entrepreneurs of like for the longest time, it was like the hustle, the grind, you know, mm -hmm. you got, you got to work all these hours and granted, yes, you do, but you, but you don't necessarily have to right. either. Like you can choose. I feel like personally, if you're more centered and grounded and in the flow, so many things are going to flow out of that better exactly. than if you're constantly hustling and grinding and trying to push it. Like it's just, again, a different mindset. Mm -hmm. It's the, like you have to resist and fight against everything versus you allow yourself to be in the natural flow. And the natural flow is so hard for most oh, people yeah. because we don't do those things. You just said, we don't slow down. We don't get in touch with ourselves. We don't mm -hmm. like, really recenter on like, why am I doing this? You know, it, did I become an entrepreneur to over schedule my entire <laughs> life so that then I'm right back to where I was right. just on my thing? Yes. Or did I become an entrepreneur so that I have the freedom to go to a movie and not feel guilty about exactly. it in the afternoon? Yeah. And that's a really hard, you have to train yourself mm -hmm. out of that mindset. Yeah. And then there are still like in, so I still have clients that operate that mm -hmm. way yeah and so even when so if I'm on site with a client and they are asking like you make sure you submit this for approval and make mm -hmm. sure you do this then it's like each time I go back to that on-site location it's like harder and harder to go back because mm -hmm. I am doing the work outside of that mm -hmm. and like changing my mindset and then I'm like oh back in the right you know the old mindset and yeah. so that's a really challenging thing too, but it, I think it's good for me right now to contradict the two and remind mm -hmm. myself like, okay, yeah, this is why, this yeah. is why I can't be in this environment full time. Like right. I just, because it's, I've found that it wears me down and it stifles my creativity. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I literally work in a, a tiny office there. So it's like working in a box, but yeah. Um, yeah. So then doing those activities, so journaling and mm -hmm. you said physically active, mm -hmm. is there anything else now that you have like gotten older, you have kids, do you not have time for those things or do you? Um, I have to make time okay. like for sure. Self-care is really important. Um, I have a tween and a teen right oh now, so life is like yeah. changing <laughs> and, um, but yeah, you know, and it's simple things like it's, spending time in the morning meditating or journaling mm -hmm. or, um, just being quiet or again, just going on a walk, like right. being nature has become, um, something that is so incredibly important to me that I completely neglected for mm. a good chunk of my corporate life. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, you know, my kids were younger. Um, I had a really demanding schedule. So you get up really early. I would typically go to the gym, go to the office, shower, do that. 
being in an office all day or, you know, I was in sales, so I would be out a lot of times seeing clients and stuff, right. but, um, in my car, then, you know, work in an office, come home, the kids are, you know, give the kids scheduled or whatever. Like where's any nature yeah. in that day? None. I had none for years. And so that has become such a huge thing for me, even if it's just sitting outside in the morning when it's nice. Right. <laughs> Hopefully yes. finally it will be oh my nice gosh. here in the Midwest. We got one day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, love to do that and just sit out there in the morning or again, take the dog for a walk or, um, you know, just, just be outside with the kids when they're playing or whatever. Um, so water is like important to me. Yeah. I like to walk by lakes or, um, so yeah, nature has become a really big thing for me too. Yeah, nature, I think, is really important. And I don't think I realized how important for me until I lived a mile from the beach. Mm. And I could just go to the beach. Yes. Like, I would come home and, like, throw my comfy clothes on, make a drink, and get on my bike and ride to the Mm. beach and be there in seven minutes. Heaven. Yeah. (laughs) And so now that I'm back in, I mean, a landlocked state, technically, um, that's been a hard transition to not mm-hmm. have that outlet mm-hmm. because the beach, I mean, it's massive and right. it's huge and you feel so tiny and it feels like it's just a, a big release. Yes. And yeah. I would run on the boardwalk mm. or just sit there. But, yeah. um, so now trying to find different ways, like, mm-hmm. you know, just being outside for a yeah. little bit, like just, I bought a hammock last summer. It was awesome. like the best $70 I ever yeah. spent. <laughs> See, I love a hammock. I'll do that. Yeah. And when it's nice too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the beach is a big thing. So that's also something that I have, um, you know, we are live in the Midwest and my rhythm is, um, for the last few years is it is mandatory that we go somewhere in the winter by a beach for me. Um, because water is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Beach is like, I feel very grounded and centered and, um, it just energetically, it just does something for me. And so that has become a a rhythm that we do. We have to go somewhere. And then, um, I try to go somewhere by myself too, without my kids or my husband. Um, so that again, just recharging Mm -hmm. and yeah, living, living by water is on my (laughs) list. We will. I've already told my husband, we will live by water. Yes. I will get back there too. Yeah. Because once you've been so close and then yeah. vacation, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think I haven't had, my vacations has been to Virginia, but not to the beach. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, getting that time, like lengths of time on the beach, I think are mm-hmm. super important. Yeah. And it's so interesting because some people, for some people, the mountains mm-hmm. provide the grounding. Like yeah. for me, mountains are grounding and for, and then the ocean is calming and mm-hmm. kind of rejuvenating because yep. it's always changing. So it's interesting how those two facets of nature can affect you so differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's good to have a balance of both, but I still prefer the beach. Yeah. I prefer, I like the warm weather better. Yeah. Just in general. Well, we went to Cabo last fall and that has it all. So yeah. desert, oh, yeah. mountain, and beach all right there. I was like, this is yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we need to move here. <laughs> so do you go to the same vacation spot every time? No, we don't. I mean, we like Florida, we seem to go to, you know, cause in the winter, sometimes it's like, just go wherever yeah. it's warm. Um, and, uh, we went to Cabo. We, um, we went to S- Sedona, a year or so ago, which we Ooh, fell in love with my, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That my family all is ready to move there. <laughs> we yes. love it there. Um, so, you know, we try to mix it up and we actually just bought, um, 
this big map um, that we can put pushpin, mm-hmm. pushpins in. And so we've had so much fun already putting where we've been. And then now we have different colors for where we want to go. Oh. And there's just so much, um, so much of the world. I love to travel. I love, that's the one thing that I do miss that I did a lot in my corporate job was I traveled for um, your job, for my job. And it was kind of like, while it was grueling, you know, it's travel for business is not glamorous. Yeah. Like people think that it is, but um, I tried to make it again. I had made it a rhythm, so it was my, kind of my time, mm. and I would always try to do something. So um, there's, yeah, there's so much of the world to see that we loved, and it, it's been fun getting my kids to want to explore. You know, right. in the beginning they were a little unsure, but now they're starting to see like, oh my gosh, there's a whole world out yeah. there of people that are different than us and places that look different right. than us because. We're kind of flat and nothing exciting here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I drove through the South by myself and that was pretty exciting, mm-hmm. but yeah, but indifferent, right. you know? Yeah. So I think, um, there's stuff to be seen in the U S but I went, I travel internationally alone. I mm-hmm. have like wow. for the past few years or to go visit someone. So like the actual travel part mm-hmm. is alone. And then I'm like visiting my friend, Jenna, who's probably yeah. going to listen. Hi Jenna. Um, hi Jenna, you're in China. <laughs> so we, one of my sisters was studying abroad in Vietnam last mm-hmm. winter. Oh yeah. And so my youngest sister and I went and she was 17. Mm. Yeah. 17 at the time. And so I'm not used to traveling with anyone and then mm. to travel with a teenager right. who has never traveled. She's been to Mexico, but that's wow. it. Yeah. And so it was really fun to mm-hmm. see how she just like opened up into mm-hmm. this whole Vietnamese world because I wasn't sure about her. She's a moody teenager. Yeah. And so I didn't totally. know <laughs> what was going to happen. And then, you know, of course our other sister was there too. So it was fun to see her in her element. She had been living there for a few months mm-hmm. already, but my youngest sister, Melissa, I mean, she was making friends with these like other kids and showing them how to, she uses Snapchat and the right. filter. I mean, and it was like, it's just so interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. We, we had a really good time and I would travel with her again because mm-hmm. she was, we got seated in separate areas of the plane. And so I was checking on her. That's a mm-hmm. long flight. Yeah. And she was fine. Yeah. She just did her own thing. And so I think we realized we're very similar mm-hmm. in the way we knew that before. Like yeah. I've. She definitely is like my little spirit animal. Mm. The two middle ones, Eddie and Emily, are much more calm. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. Even temper and Melissa and I are kind of like the spectrums yeah. of the emotions. But um, then finding out that we traveled well together was mm-hmm. really nice too. That's so fun. It's yeah. so important to travel well with yes. people or to have to find people that you travel well with. So, right. um, yeah, because that's important because it's... Um, when you, then you find out when you travel with people who don't oh, travel real well. Yes. It's not so fun. Oh my goodness. Did you and your husband, how long have you guys been married? We had our 20th last oh October. My yeah. So we, wow. and we, um, we're, we started dating when I was a senior in high school. So yeah, we've been, wow. we dated for quite a while and then we got married. So that's, yeah. yeah, that's a long time. So when did you guys do your first big like travel together? Like, because I think it's important for relationships to figure um, out. Well, it's funny because he, because so my husband had never been on a plane until we started dating. Oh my gosh. I know because his family just didn't travel. And so, and we didn't travel a ton, but my dad loved to travel. And so yeah. we did a lot of road trips and stuff, but we had been on planes. And, um, uh, 
so we actually, he flew with my mom and I when we were still dating. And so that was interesting to see, you know, that was just a different di- dynamic. Yeah. But, so our first like real big trip was really our honeymoon, which oh was gosh. interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, I don't think we went anywhere else before that. I mean, like road trips and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we travel very differently. So it's actually, um, as we've gotten older and wiser we get into our rhythm together so you know we were kind of out of the rhythm when our kids were younger of of taking trips and so we've gotten better at doing Mm. that um and we get into a rhythm like he and this is kind of with our life too like he is a night owl and I'm a really early morning person and so it was great when our kids were little because then we kind of split the duties you know but so like when we vacation one of my absolute favorite things to do is walk on the beach in the morning. I get up really early and I just walk for hours mm-hmm. on the beach. It's my favorite thing. He's still sleeping. So it's <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Like, Cause that's my time and I get to do that. And then he'll get up and then we'll decide what we want to do. And you know, um, like when we went to Cabo, we, um, did some AT, we rented ATVs, which was super fun in the desert. And we took a like boat cruise and stuff. So we found our rhythm of like what we like to do together. So that's important. Yeah. I think I was thinking my best friend and her husband, they got married last year and I think that was their honeymoon was their mm-hmm. first big plane, like international trip together. Yeah. And so we were all like, how's it going to go? But they had been together for, you know, five years at that yeah. point. So I think you probably have a good idea of yeah. the rhythm that you guys will be in when you travel. Yeah. 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 And it takes, I mean, and then definitely you add the kids into the mix yeah. and it's a little different. And so, um, we're, you, you deal with it. So and do you guys... Have you maintained that rhythm throughout your relationship or is that something you've had to like constantly kind of refine your balance? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, different stages of life, um, just require different things. And then again, like when we were, you know, I was very ingrained in the corporate world Mm -hmm. and like our, just, it was very specific, rigid schedules. Um, and just as you grow too, you know, and we've had big challenges in our marriages in our marriage <laughs> Mar- married once <laughs> marriage um and yeah that that requires you to adjust with that so it's it's i think like with anything with life if you just can learn to be open and talk mm-hmm. about it and adjust as necessary so my husband is a um about five years ago he started he took up mountain biking mm-hmm. and rediscovered his love for that cool. and so he races mountain bikes and um, it has brought him alive in a way that like is just amazing. And so he, um, loves to do that, but ends up spending a lot of time doing that. So yeah. we've had to adjust for that. And, you know, some people, you know, I, I talk to a lot of wives, like maybe their husband's obsessed with golf or, you know, whatever it is, like who are really either jealous or uh, like not, yeah. um, you know, not encouraging of that. Yeah. Whereas, we just have come to a rhythm of, okay, you, this is, we need to plan on our schedule. And then, you know, I'm giving you space to do that and you give me my space to do my things. And then we make sure we have time together too. So it's a constant, um, readjustment, I think. It seems to me that that is a common thread in relationships, like making sure you have your own Mm -hmm. lives and interests and totally. And then, you know, most of the time or not maybe most of the time, but like time together then yeah. too, making sure you get that. So yeah. I want to go back to life coaching okay. for a second and talk about, um, so it's a marketing podcast, so we'll mm-hmm. touch on this, yeah. but so what have you found? Well, two things. One, 
when did you realize like through your coaching with Brooke that you were ready to start coaching people? Mm -hmm. Um, I think when she challenged me to just say like, you can create this and make it what you want and you can keep coming up with excuses to Mm. not do it. So sometimes you just have to just take the step. So that was that. Um, and just, I was just ready. It was just, uh, again, like I said, I had kind of, um, it just said for somebody, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. Well, really, I have that spirit. Yeah. I just wasn't, um, I was just in that corporate world. So. Right. Yeah. And you had had your blog for a while. So yeah. How did that kind of, did that roll over into your coaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the blog was kind of the way that I started to express myself outside of the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So I, um, one of the um, people that I followed had like their big thing is, you know, rediscovering what you love to do. And I had completely forgotten that I love to write. And so, um, I used to write, I mean, actually I didn't journal as early as you did, but wrote a lot during, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to write poems and all kinds of things. And people over the years had always told me like, your thoughts are very well, um, put together when I would, even when I write an email or, you know, something. And so I rediscovered that, and that was a way to start putting myself out there in a way that was very different. It was a creative outlet for me. Right. Um, so I had had my blog for a while, and then um, then I started my podcast, which has been four years. Oh my! Four gosh. or five years. I don't know. It's crazy now. Um, because then that was you know another way for me because I love to talk to people and um, yeah get very energized by spending time with people. And it also scared the living daylights out right. of me because like the technical aspect, I was like, I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to do this. Like I can talk to people, but how do you do all the rest of that stuff? So it was a big, um, push out of my comfort zone, which has been a continual on my path of things that I've learned to do. Like there, we can easily stay comfortable mm-hmm. for most of our life, but learning to learn new things or to push yourself out, put yourself out there in a new way. Um, so I started the podcast and started interviewing people. And then um, it's interesting because when I started right where you are, it was really about making a difference to other people. Mm-hmm. Like how do you be, cause I've always been had a servant's heart. And so like wanting to serve other people and help other people. And that's really, really important. But as my journey has shifted into um, really making a difference to me mm-hmm. and understanding myself better and living who I've been created to be that then allows me to help other people do that. So the, so coaching really, um, again, like I said, I feel like I've always been a coach, right? but the reason I wanted to start my business was because I now have tools to help other people do that. So like, I was just thinking the other day about someone who had asked me, to coach them, but it was early on and I didn't really know what I was doing and I hadn't made it a business. And, you know, looking back on that, I wasn't really able to help her in the way that now I know I can help other people because I just, I didn't have tools. I didn't have guidelines. I didn't have, you know, things for her to do. So it was probably all really messy, but that's just, and I also think you just have to make a decision and just do it. Right. Just like you did. You had to say, you know what, I'm going to start my business. And you have to always get the first out of the way. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like before I started my podcast, I listened to so many first episodes mm-hmm. of podcasts that I really like, like yeah. Joe Rogan. I mean, yeah. Joe Rogan has done over a thousand podcasts. Yeah. And I went back to the first, like the first two are just him staring at a screen with his friend Brian <laughs> and they're like just trying to figure out all the technical aspects. Right. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's fine. I can do yeah. that. You know, if you compare yourself... To right where like right where you are, so mm-hmm. at podcast one, right to where that person was at podcast oh. one, yeah, 
you can't compare like I can't compare myself to Joe Rogan no. now. Mm-mm. You know, you have to go yeah. back and make it like even playing field. Yeah. And I think that's important in addition to just starting it, but to realize like you're always gonna have that first. Like you gotta totally. get it out of the way. Yeah. And we you know, we're so obsessed with this like making everything perfect, yeah. you know, and not doing anything until right. it's perfect. Well the the reality is it's never going to be perfect yes. because you have to take some kind of step at one point. And so, and one thing my coach says, which is super, super helpful is like, everything is just information. It's not failure. Like, I mean, you can call it failure if you want, but like, if you try something, you put yourself out there, you put a program out there and you only get a couple people to sign up. Like you could say, Oh, that's a failure. Or you could say, no, this is information. This is now Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to ask myself the questions like what worked, what didn't work? What would I do differently next time? That's all this all is. Mm -hmm. And so we have this idea that like everybody's got it all put together and everybody knows. No, it's so not true. If you, if anybody is honest about their journey, they're going to tell you, I had no idea what I was doing when I started, (laughs) but I just had to start. And I just, I felt like, and I think for most of us, there comes this point where we just like that internal intuition and that voice is Mm -hmm. like, um, okay, come on, like, let's do this until the point where you just go, okay, I just have to do, I just feel like this is the time. And it's really scary, but it's also very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing like, um, the quote on my quote board this week is failure is your invention. Mm. So that goes Mm -hmm. back to what you're saying. It's just information you're learning for. Like if you're keep trying and trying these things, they're going to fail. You're going to have a lot of bad ideas, but eventually one will succeed and you'll have some good ones. And that's, so if you're not failing, then you're not trying hard right. enough. Yeah. And you can always adjust. Like, oh, yeah. I've heard so many people say, like, well, I tried this. It didn't really get the response I wanted. So I tweaked it and then I launched it again. And I remember, you know, that's the great thing about being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through, you know, 50 levels to get something approved that then it's too hard to go back and change it. As an entrepreneur, you have the fluidity right. to change things as you need to and to try it out. Exactly. And I'm in um, a marketing course right now with Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Very cool. Like, when I So when I got the cease and desist for the business, then I kind of put things on hold. So I had some free time mm-hmm. and he happened to be like advertising his intro yeah. for the course. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. He's awesome. I'm just going to, because I budgeted to invest in myself, like mm-hmm. to attend a conference and to take a course. And Perfect. so, yeah, it worked out. But one of the prompts recently was um, strategy versus tactics. Mm. And so... Your strategy should be the consistent thing in your business, in your life, Mm -hmm. your mission statement, your philosophy, like the why you are here. Right. And then the tactics are the way, the things you use to execute that, right? So you're constantly testing tactics. Right. And the point of the exercise, he said, was to make people comfortable with tactics as disposable items. Mm. And so mm-hmm. you're going to do a podcast and if podcasting doesn't work for you or your audience isn't responding, maybe that's not the best avenue yeah. for you or you don't like talking to people. Right. I have a hard time with the podcast being by myself. Mm. So mm-hmm. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But as long as I'm with someone, I'm comfortable. Yeah. And then, or you start a blog or like I haven't done an e-newsletter yet because mm-hmm. I just, I delete, I go into my email box and mass delete everything I get like once a month. Yeah. And I don't open it. Yeah. And so to me, an e-newsletter, it seems like it's going to get lost in translation. Yeah. Until I establish that community. So right. I thought that was a really important lesson to learn because mm-hmm. if you can think of them as disposable, 
then yeah. you're not you should be committed and trying it and executing it well but then totally. if it doesn't work you move on yeah yeah and you don't let yourself like you might be disappointed right and you might be upset but that's okay yes and then you you sit in that and then you go okay what, what am I going to try next? And yeah. what am I going to do? And just like you just said, I think it's so important, like finding the things that work for you. My coach that I'm coaching with right now, she built well over a six figure business without having a website and without having an email list. And <laughs> that's without, amazing. okay, so tell me that's not possible. Like, right. We think that, oh, we have to have this and we have to have this or, you know, and just like you said with the podcast, the same thing. I started off interviewing people mm-hmm. and I interviewed people for a ton of time. Now I do really short one-on-one segments and I haven't interviewed anybody in a really long time because that has changed with me. So it's like having this freedom and the confidence Mm -hmm. to just try something new. That's where creativity and innovation happens when you're willing to try something that someone else is is not doing. Exactly. And even if they are doing it, you can do it differently or better. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, you think about all the thousands of podcasts that are out there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and books too, you know, because a lot of people will be like, oh, I want to write a book, but that's already been written, you know, because if you get a title and you search and it, you know, it will be there. It's not your book. Right. You haven't written your book. Right. And so there's always something that you can do. And it's, you know, it's one thing that I've always on this journey said is like, it's about it's about me and kind of my journey. Mm -hmm. And if it helps someone else along the way, fantastic. Right. And now I look at that differently because I know like, yes, I, I have things to bring to other people. I have the confidence and the the knowledge that I do help people. Um, but in the beginning, maybe it's just about that. Like me, it was more about when I first started blogging, it was putting myself out there in a way Mm -hmm. that people hadn't seen me put myself out there. And it was scary. It was really scary. And will anybody read it? And what, you know, um, and then same thing with the podcast, putting yourself out there in a new way. So, but it's really, really helpful. It is helpful. And I was really scared to do the podcast too, because mm-hmm. it's, you get to this, you're the most vulnerable here mm-hmm. and I don't edit them. So yeah. I make a point not to, so right. then it's unedited. This is it. Like yeah. this is real life. And so then there are a million, a million thoughts that could go through your head mm-hmm. about why you shouldn't do it. But I think so far it's the thing I like the best. Yeah. That's in my awesome. marketing career, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think with um, one thing my coach is really challenging us on, too, is just, like, finding those quirky and fun things mm-hmm. about you. That's your marketing, right. right? I mean, that is when you can let people know who you are. That's how you're going to attract the people that want that. Exactly. You know, whereas in, most of us try to be like someone else or we try to follow this six step, you know, program that has mm-hmm. worked for somebody else. And then we get frustrated wondering why it hasn't worked for us right. because it's not like having, you know, if you're silly, it's not having the silliness or if mm-hmm. you love to have fun, it's not having the fun in it. Or if you're just really good at whatever it is, I think that's really important to you. Yeah. So I think that's probably, that's a good note to end on is to, I heard a podcast the other day and he was saying he, um, one of his employees came to him and was asking for work advice. Like she felt like she wasn't excelling at work. She didn't get that promotion, blah, blah, blah. And then he just said like, I want you to stop thinking about work and start focusing on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. look at your personal life and Mm -hmm. start focusing. What do you say? Focusing on your heart Mm -hmm. and doing things that make you happier, that challenge you, that improve you as a person. And when you start doing that, the rest will fall into place. Yep. And I think that's true. Yeah, I do too. So good.
All right, so we can end it there. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Yay.